34. Yeah, Psalm 34 is a good chapter. Yeah. I better find it myself. I should know it off by heart, but I'm not there yet. David basically says, and again, when he wrote this psalm, it's interesting when he wrote this psalm because he had, uh, David David did some some pretty dumb stuff. None of you have ever done that. But he found himself in, in Samuel chapter 27. He had just, you know, he's running away. He, he was anointed to be king when he was 16 years old. Now here we are almost two decades later, and he's still running for his life. King Saul is trying to kill him. And so just because you've got an anointing on you doesn't mean you're not going to have any storms. Anyway, so he was running for his life. And in this particular time, he ran, he ran over like this. And this is how dumb you can get when you get away from God. He's, he's heading uh, away from Saul, running from Saul. He stopped in at Abimelech's house, who's the, uh, who's the high priest at the time. There's 80 some odd priests there. So he run, he pulls it uh, pulls in there and then he lies to the priest. Any of you ever lied to a minister? Or probably not. But, <laughs> but but anyway, he did. He he uh, he said, "Look," he said, I, "I'm I'm on my, I'm I'm on an assignment, and I had to get out of town quick. Do you have a weapon here for me?" And he said, "Well, the only thing I got here, the God is so good. The only thing I have here is Goliath's sword that you took." You know, almost two decades ago, it's it's in storage here. David said, "Well, then give me that." And so he grabs a hold of the sword and heads off to Gath. Gath is where Goliath was from. So he comes right into Gath, thinking, "You know, how cool is this? I got a sword. I'm okay." And when he got into Gath, he realized he woke up in the in the middle of the camp of the enemy. None of you have ever done that, but that's what he did. He marched right in there. When he got in there, he realized, because they started, they said, "Isn't that the guy?" Like, like David was on the hip parade. Saul has slain his thousands. David his tens of thousands. The songs were famous back then. Matter of fact, it even says that in Samuel chapter twenty-seven that they all knew about him from the music that was written about him. So here he is. All of a sudden, now he's got this, this sword, and he's in the camp of his enemy. But the the cool thing about God showed him what to do. He said, act like you're crazy because they won't kill a crazy person. They think that the crazy will come on them. And so, and so that's what he did. He started, he, he started drooling and dribbling all over himself. And uh, finally they said, get this crazy guy out of here. We don't want that to come on us. So that's when he ended up writing Psalm 34. He ended up in the cave of Adullam. And if you ever go to Israel, there's caves everywhere. But this particular one, he ended up there, and in in a cave alive is better than in Gath did. So that's where Psalm thirty four came from. Matter of fact, I'll even tell you in some of the notes. But this is what he said. Now here, he, his circumstances have in, have improved only in the fact that he's alive. He's just got some life. That's all. Nothing to be thankful for, you do, you wouldn't think. But let's see what he says here. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. 
My, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord, and the humble will hear it and be glad. So, again, the circumstances are bad, but the thing that he knows to do is I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continue to be in my mouth. And so, and, the, and then he says, the humble people that are with me will be glad. So then when you go over to Luke chapter 4, verse 18, 19, 20. When, when, when Luke wrote Luke 4, 18, he said, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to bring deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty the bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book. But if you go back and find out what it actually said in Isaiah 61, it doesn't say anything about poor. It says about humility. Matter of fact, that's where we want to go now. But, but Isaiah 61 is so powerful because it tells you the truth about the whole thing. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to what? Preach the good tidings to the poor. To the, to and when you when you to, in the King James it says to the meek or to the humble, he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to. Now this is him saying that he's talking to you today. He's talking to you today. Yeah. He said the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because He has anointed me to preach good news to the meek, to the humble. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering a sight to the blind, to set liberty to the bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then the Bible says, and then, but there's more. He said, and the day of the vengeance of our God. Jesus didn't mention that because the day of the vengeance of our God hadn't come. But we're on it now. We're at the border right now. The only thing holding it back is Romans is um Matthew 24, 14. Matthew 24, 14 says, This good news will be preached into all the earth as a witness unto me, and then shall the end come. So this this word has to be preached as a witness. I'm not talking about preached on TV. I mean people need to see a demonstration of the power of God. That's why he said in Romans 8, 19 that all of creation is waiting for a manifestation of the sons of God. The sons of God have been here for 2,000 years. Nobody even knows they're here. But he said, all creation is waiting for a manifestation of the sons of God. The sons of God are about to be manifest because his power is going to come upon the church like never before. Like never before. Read, you know, read Joel chapter 3 and read it slow. You know, he said, he said, and I, I love what he said in the middle of all, all that. He said, Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. We're talking about a, made, a mighty harvest of souls. James chapter 5 talks about it as well. The husbandman or the farmer waits for the harvest of the earth. The harvest of the earth is about to come in. You and I are gathering it in, right? Yeah. So you're sitting in this church with a few people. See, see a, a church building won't contain what God's about to do on the earth. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I'm telling you, he's about to shake the earth. He even said that. He's, and I can go everywhere with this right now. 
Um, Malachi, Malachi, Haggai chapter 2, verses 6 through 9. He said, he said, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. And he said, and, and he said, the glory of this latter house will be greater than the former house, said the Lord. The glory of the latter church is going to be greater than anything the world's ever seen. Now, I know that there's people that like to preach on the rapture, and I'm not opposed to the rapture. As a matter of fact, I, I never buy green bananas, you know. <laughs> but because I don't really know when it's going to happen. But in my mind, I believe in that there's a whole lot of things that have to happen beforehand, right? Are you ready? Hmm? Yeah, I'm ready, but I don't want to go yet. I'm saying, God, there's so much to do. There's so much that needs to be done. And I just feel the life coming back in my body from all the stuff I had to deal with over these years, you know. I'm saying, God, we're just getting started now. Don't don't interrupt us. (laughs) Anyway, back in Isaiah 61. When he says the day of the vengeance of our Lord, vengeance is not anger. Vengeance is the love of justice. But there's so much injustice in the world right now. And God said, before I come back, I'm going to straighten that all out. Can you prove that? Yeah, but it's, it would take days and days to see what he's about to do on the earth right now. He said to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, verse 2, and the day of the vengeance of our God, and to comfort all that mourn. Remember, a lot can happen in a day. Nothing that has ever resisted you will go unpunished. Whatever's been a humiliating, humiliating you and stealing your peace, whatever's been stealing your children, tampering with your destiny, all those things are about to change. The children are coming home. I said your children are coming home. The prodigal sons are coming home. The prodigal daughters are coming home. God's, and again, only God's grace will hit them. But when it does, I feel like I feel like going to, to. No, I better not go there. No, but Joel chapter two is so powerful. Let's let's go. Can we go there and come back here? Nobody's going to get mad at me if we go there for a minute. Joel, it's always fun to find. You got it. It's after Ezekiel somewhere, isn't it? I got it. I got it. I got it. Joel chapter 2 and verse 23. Be glad then, you children of Zion. Now, the children of Zion are the church. Hebrews 12, 22 and 23 will tell you that. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he has given you the former rain moderately, and he'll come down with the rain, the former and the latter rain, both in the first month. Again, he's saying, pray for the pray for rain in the time of the latter rain. He said, now pour it out on you. Where's that? Zechariah chapter 10. Call, call for rain in the time of the latter, latter rain. So then he says, your floors, now this is not a poverty deal. He said, your floors will be filled with wheat and your vats will overflow with wine and oil, and I will restore. Everybody say restore. Restore. What does restore mean? It means to be safe in your mind, safe in your body, 
saving your real estate, complete, finished, furnished, full, good, prosperous, recompense, reward, it's all there. I'll restore unto you the years that the locust has eaten. Now, there's a whole teaching there of what those different bugs represent. They're all spiritual entities. The caterpillar, the palmer, worm, and my great army, which I send among you. And you shall, look at this, verse 26. And you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. Now, if you watch a lot of Christian TV, this is not what's being preached right now. But always go to the Bible. What does the book say? I don't want to hear, you know, I'm not dismissing men's opinions. We need them. But sometimes the prophetic stuff is pathetic stuff. Because it doesn't, if it backs up, if, they can, if people are saying things and they can back it up with the book, right on. But I always, I always say, show me chapter and verse. If you can't show me chapter and verse, then don't share it with me at the moment. He said, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied or fulfilled and praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you and you'll never be ashamed, he said again. Verse 27, you'll know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and no one else. My people will never be ashamed. It shall, it shall come to pass afterwards, after he does all this, after he, after he does all this, he said, this is what's going to happen next. I'll pour my spirit, my spirit out upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will have visions. And also upon your servants and your handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. I'll show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood, fire, pillars of smoke. The sun will be darkened and the, and, and the, the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord. And I always tell people, it's great if you know God, and it's terrible if you don't. But that, but it, but that's that. That's going to happen in your lifetime. That's not after the rapture of the church. That's this. That's coming up now. How do you know that? Because he just he just said it. Pour my spirit out on all flesh. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now let's go back to Isaiah sixty-one, verse two again to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord which Jesus did when he taught in Luke 4, 18, the Spirit of the Lord's upon me, anointed me to preach and so on, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closed the book because the rest of that is coming to pass in your day. It didn't come to pass in that day. He closed the book because it was preview of coming attractions. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God, which he left out. And to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto those that mourn in Zion, and again, Zion, the church, read Hebrews chapter 12, read it slow, you'll see. To point unto those that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness, they'll be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he'll be glorified. And they'll build the old ways and repair the wasted cities, the desolations of many generations, and strangers will stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the owner will be your plowmen and your vine dressers. Those are all things that are coming up, people. Yeah. Yeah. For your shame, you'll have double. For confusion, you'll rejoice in your portion. Therefore, in the land, you possess the double. Double for your trouble. Uh-huh. Double for your trouble. How many of you have not had any trouble? Yeah. <laughs> God's saying, I want to give you double. Double. 
I know you've been through a lot. I thank you for it. I thank you for walking through it. I thank you that you didn't quit. I thank you that you, you're steadfast and unmovable and abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I'm glad that you're steadfast. I'm glad you didn't quit. Say, I cannot be defeated because I refuse to quit. Refuse to quit. If one nostril is out of the water, let it be saying, Jesus is Lord. Amen. For shame, double. For confusion, you'll rejoice in your portion. Therefore, in the land you'll possess the double, and everlasting sadness will be upon you. Joy. That's why Jesus said in John 14, 27, he said, I got something I want to leave with you. And everybody's saying, what are you going to give us? What are you going to leave? He said, I'm going to give you my peace. Not as the world gives peace. I got a peace that passes all understanding. And it'll rule your heart and it'll rule your mind. And you'll be far from confusion. He said, I want to leave you my peace. Then over in chapter 15, they said, I want to leave you my joy. Now, if, if, if he could have given you money, you, you know, you said, well, I wouldn't mind a little bit of that. But what he said, I've got something better than money. I've got my peace. His peace, there's nothing like his peace. In the world you're living in right now, what could you find that's better than his peace? Then I want to see, he said, I want to leave you my joy. And it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. And he said, he said, I'm going to leave you my joy so that my joy will be in you and so that your joy will be full. That's why he said in Psalm 1611, look, Psalm 1611, if you just get that one verse, it will change your life. He said, I will show you the path of peace. He said, there is a path called the path of peace. And this is what it is. In my presence is fullness of joy. And at my right hand, pleasure is forevermore. There's a place that you can get to called his peace. When you're focused on him, he said, he said, focus on me. And, and he said it in, in uh, Romans 14, 17, a different way, but the same thing. He said, my kingdom is not a physical thing, not meat nor drink, but it's righteousness. You're right with me. Peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. I'm right with God, and it produces peace in me and joy in the Holy Ghost. Hey, even when you're wrong, you're right. Mm -hmm. Remember that, too. Even when you're wrong, you're right. Somebody read Colossians 1.22 out loud. Somebody grab a microphone. Surely you got the microphone right beside you. Look. Colossians 1.22. Tattoo it on your chest. No, not you, Shirley. <laughs> Colossians 1.22. In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. One, read it again, could you? In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Yeah. So that's how you look in his sight. So you need to begin to see yourself the way he sees you and then the things that you... When you begin to see yourself from the inside out instead of the outside in, that's when the change comes. If long you keep trying to change you and fix you, New Year's resolutions are a month ago. I wonder how many were kept. They went out with the Christmas wrappings. Come on, they did. Change only comes from the change agent. And it's, it's when you know the truth 
John eight thirty one thirty two. He said, if you continue in my word, you'll be my disciples indeed. And then you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. You get free by knowing the truth. You get free by knowing who you are in Christ. Mm, steadfast and unmovable and abounding in the work of the Lord. Know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Whew. What a good God we serve. And again, the rule keepers, religion will never work this for you. You got to work this out by the word of God. Verse 8, for I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery for a burnt offering. I'll direct your work in truth and make an everlasting covenant with you. And your seed shall be known among the Gentiles. Well, I don't know where my kids are today. Well, this, grab a hold of this. No, he said in Peter 1, 4, he said, I've given you exceeding great and precious promises. And if you grab a hold of those, you'll partake of my divine nature and escape the corruption that's in the world through lust. Grab a hold of the promises of God. Grab a hold of them. See, that's mine. Not based on my performance either. I, I, I'll never be good enough. Because he was. Again, 2 Corinthians 5.21, he, God, made him, Jesus, to be sin for us, even though he knew no sin, that we would be made the righteousness of God in him. Again, you're right with God even when you're wrong. No, but when do you ever get it all right? That's why he said in, in Romans 12, 2, he said, don't be conformed to this world or informed by this world, but be transformed by renewing your mind by the word of God so that you can prove the good, the acceptable, the perfect will of God for your life. The renewal comes by, from the word of God. Y'all don't think right. And that's why we go to church. The problem with coming to church a lot of the times is we already got our mindset. And so whenever anything attacks our, attacks our equilibrium, well, that's not the way I see it. You get the, that's, that's why humility is so important. You've got to come in and say, God, I'm here to receive from you, and I don't know it all. Say this with me. I don't know it all. I don't know it at all. <laughs> but let this one chapter will just do it for you. Your seed shall be known among the Gentiles and your offspring among the people and all that see them will acknowledge them and say, what are they going to say? This is the seed that the Lord has blessed. What am I to say over my children? This is the seed that the Lord has blessed. You don't know how they're acting today. My Bible tells me clearly in Romans 4, 17 to walk by faith and not by sight. To call the things that be not as though they were. I don't call it the way I see it. I call it the way I want it to be. That's, that's the word of faith, calling it the way you want it to be, not the way that it is. Change the outcome by changing what you're saying. Their seed shall be known among the Gentiles, their offspring among the people, and all that seed them will acknowledge them. That's the seed the Lord will, has blessed. I will greatly rejoice. We're all complaining, moan, and gone. See, if you believe in this chapter, then this is, when you get to verse 10, this is what you need to do. I'll greatly rejoice in the Lord and be so joyful in my God. Why? Because he's clothed me with the garments of salvation and covered me with a robe of righteousness. Verse 11, the earth brings forth the bud and the garden causes the things that are sown to spring forth. So the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. Hallelujah. Amen. 
Let's just go to James chapter 5 and then we'll close. Be patient, therefore, New Covenant Ministries Church, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and has long patience for it until he receives the early and latter rain. We just read about it in Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2, and here it is again, the early and the latter rain. Be patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draws near. Hallelujah. Verse 11. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You've heard of the patience of Job and seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and tender in mercy. Okay, let's finish with James chapter 1, the first couple of verses. My brethren, count it all joy, verse 2. Lots of people having Super Bowl parties. I don't know anybody's having one of these. <laughs> My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Oh, yeah, let's have a party. Yeah. <laughs> When you read it in the Greek, it's peripeptu, and it means you weren't planning on it. You're walking along and everything was fine. Have you ever had that happen? Everything is going fine. Everything is going fine. And then the car stops carrying, or something happens. <laughs> My brethren, count it all joy when you fall. Oh, yeah, into diverse temptations, tests, and trials. Why? Because you know that the trying of your faith is producing patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect, entire, and lacking in nothing. So when you pass this test, you enter into his rest. Really, that's what he said in Hebrews 4.11, wasn't it? Labor, the only labor that you're to be involved in is to labor into my rest, he said in verse 11. In verse 12, he said, I'm going to tell you how to do it. The word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing center of the soul and the spirit. Joints of your discerning the thoughts and the intents of your heart. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.